Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. You have to show up and do the work, especially if you want to be an executive that is respected and trusted. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman. You have to do the work. You have to come prepared. And you have to show your credibility that your knowledge is paramount first, right? The second piece I think is like, having self-awareness. What am I good at? And making sure you double down on that in any space. Hey, my name is Mallory, and I'm obsessed with helping leaders in the nonprofit space raise money and run their organizations differently. What the Fundraising is a space for real and raw conversations to both challenge and inspire you. Not too long ago, I was in your shoes, uncomfortable with fundraising and unsure of my place in this sector. It wasn't until I started to listen to other experts outside of the fundraising space that I was able to shift my mindset and ultimately shift the way I show up as a leader. This podcast is my way of blending professional and personal development so we as a collective inside the nonprofit sector can feel good about the work we are doing. Join me every week as I interview some of the brightest minds in the personal and professional development space to help you fundamentally change the way you lead and fundraise. I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Soon Haggerty. Soon, welcome to What the Fundraising. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just jump right in and have you tell everyone a little bit about you and your work and what brings you to our conversation today. Well, I'm excited to talk about our new foundation, the Boundless Futures Foundation. It's a foundation we just launched to help uh, aspiring female entrepreneurs start their own business that helps solve a social issue. So my background is really built on entrepreneurism. I um, moved here as an immigrant from Vietnam when I was five. Uh, my parents had six and a half kids in tow with 300 bucks in our pocket when we landed in the United States. And my dad had a truck that he really used like during the day to be able to um, think through the process of deliveries. And then he learned English at night. What happened is we realized at that time that, you know, to have seven kids, like my dad knew and my mom knew that we wanted to start a business. And so my background is really rooted in uh, entrepreneurism. And so I was, I was really lucky to be able to be an immigrant and experience this ability to create the life that you want through business. So that really propelled me to um, be a serial entrepreneur. So I started my first agency when I was 30. Uh, I was a PR agency, my second agency when I was 35. And then um, I started a restaurant just about five years ago. So, you know, that background coming to the United States really propelled me to think like an entrepreneur. Amazing. And okay, so I was so excited to get the email about the foundation and the work that you're doing to support female entrepreneurs, you know, focused on social impact. Can you talk to me a little bit about, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this 
already have their own assumptions around why this is so important. But from your experience and vantage point, like why is this focus on female founders starting businesses in particular such a critical like issue area? Yeah, I'm, I'm really inspired just about all uh, through all entrepreneurs and their ability to take risk and to make a difference. But I also think there's a challenge with female entrepreneurs and the ability to raise capital, the ability to have role models. So if you think about it, VC funding, less than all VCs give women money. So 2% of all the capital for VCs go to women. So there's this huge discrepancy. Yet there's, there's research that shows 50% of uh, entrepreneurs are women. So when you look at those two statistics, they don't really connect. And so our goal is to help women first have capital, to have access to capital, but also to have resources. When I started my first business, I was 30. I was green. I didn't know, should I start an Inc? Should I start an LLC and an S-Corp? So you're, you're very green. and you, you There's not a ton of role models out there that are women that you can just outreach to. This is when I started my business, you know, 18 years ago. So I think entrepreneur is important, but there, there isn't a great roadmap for female entrepreneurs and the different challenges that they endure in this process. Quite different. Yeah. Okay. And what are, what are some of the impacts? I mean, even hearing you say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, all the questions I had when I was starting my business, right? Around like the S Corp and the, you know, just all those exactly. pieces and just not feeling like, you know, you can Google till your heart desires, but not feeling like you have kind of the support or that the advice that you're being given is really rooted in your wanting your success, right? You're kind of like sorting through all this advice out there. And so to have that sort of like dual support is really incredible. I'm curious, before we talk about, you know, one of the things that I love that I saw in how your foundation is talking about this is that like the grants that you're going to give are no strings attached grants. So can you talk Can you talk to us about what that means and why that is so important? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, when we thought about this foundation, we thought about my husband and I, uh, Nikhil, philanthropy in general. We have a passion for entrepreneurism. So we have a part of our life that um, will invest in different businesses, male, female environment. But I also think, you know, when I started it, you know, there's a whole level of integration. There's a whole level of complexity when you have somebody who invests in your business and owns a part of your business, right? You don't get the entire ability to grow the way that you want. So I like the idea that I can identify somebody who's got some raw, amazing talent and to be able to provide this mentorship support, but give her the ability to run the business the way she sees it. That's where the no strings attached comes from. I think there's great VCs that invest in your business. There's great banks that give you that, but there's a lot of parameters. And sometimes you're steered in a direction that maybe you didn't really want to go as an entrepreneur. So that's important to me. Yeah, that's, that's a really, and, and so there's this piece there. I just had a podcast interview yesterday, which is probably why my mind is on this a little bit around trust-based philanthropy and, you know, the typical structure that happens in the nonprofit sector where the funders think they know best. And there's this real kind of like paternalistic attitude around how grant funding happens and, um, and not trusting the nonprofits to really know what's best and what's in their interest. And I can imagine that 
with female founders in the entrepreneurial space, you see a lot of similar dynamics just because of, you know, gender discrimination and all the different pieces. And so not only is it no, like, does it give them flexibility, but it also seems like it probably boost their confidence and empowerment to be like, yeah, I know what's best for my business. Yeah, I, I love that you're saying that because I think if you see if you study the research of female entrepreneurs, their biggest challenge is to be able to understand that they have they can empower their own business. And I mm. think it's a confidence issue. You know, there's lots of great books like The Confidence Code. I've just finished When Women Lead. And there's so much research that really shows, especially in the VC world, that VCs like have a tendency to look like their lenders and look like that group. It's it's generally men who want to be surrounded by others that they're comfortable with, the things that they see. And I don't necessarily know if it's against women. It's more of what they see is what they're comfortable for. So it starts to build the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And so I think the ability for women to be able to have an, you know, no strings attached builds their confidence. Exactly what you said, Mallory. It's like, you know, that coupled though with what we call an advisory circle at um, Boundless Futures Foundation. It's a group of three women who've each started their own business. And so I've kind of picked a group where they have different talent. We have um, an individual, Robin Marcotte, who owns a leadership and development company she started. And you can come to her and say like, okay, for me to be a president of this company, like what are the skills I need? I'm building this team. I've got a team of six and I need to make sure that they're effective. I need to make sure that they're engaged. You can come to her. I have another uh, advisory member, Stacey Feely, who is the perfect example of a grantee that I would support. She creates um, silicone products for your home to get rid of plastics. And it's called Go Silly. It's an amazing company. And she's this bright, engaging um, female entrepreneur. And then we have Jessica Sullivan, who is just wicked in the financial space. So she worked for um, JP Morgan. So she can help you navigate those things. So I think it's a mix between giving you the ability to make your own decisions as an entrepreneur but then we have the network. So when you do run into an obstacle, when you want a second opinion, that's your option too. But either way, you're driving the bus. Yeah, it's so interesting. I love what you're talking about right now because I feel like there is this really like delicate space to hold between like you are the boss and you should feel confident in being the boss and that doesn't mean that you know all the answers to everything and you not knowing all the answers to everything doesn't mean you're not good at running your business, but that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. And that's why this network exists to support you to be the best leader. You can be the best entrepreneur you can be, but not to sort of like take away your autonomy. Yeah. And, you know, and that's perp that's exactly why I picked three female founders to be able to give you that space. But my husband, who's also a co-founder of our foundation, is also a great resource. I think it's important to, it's not necessarily a male perspective, but maybe a different perspective. And so he's good at scaling companies. He took our company public. So it's surrounding yourself with first really smart people in general is key. But being able to call somebody and say, look, I had to present in front of this group of, you know, 50 men or 100 people you know, as a woman, female leader, there is a difference. There is just a difference. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to calculate. It's 
Sometimes there's a lot of research, but there is a difference. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What do you think like in your own entrepreneurial journey, what have been some of the hardest lessons that you've learned that um, have really informed how you're building this like support network and community? You know, I, I think first and foremost, I think you have to show up and do the work. I don't think it's this idea that you can rest on your laurels. So especially if you want to be an executive that is respected and trusted, it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, you have to do the work, you have to come prepared, and you have to show your credibility that your knowledge is paramount first, right? The second piece I think is like having self-awareness. What am I good at? And making sure you double down on that in any space. Some of the mistakes that I see young leaders make or aspiring leaders is they feel they have to speak on every topic to sound knowledgeable. I think the key is be be aware. And, you know, when people ask me, what's the best advice you, you have for a new entrepreneur or a new leader is know what you're good at, know what you're not and surround yourself with the things that you're not as knowledgeable about. So being really careful, like don't feel like you have to speak Mm -hmm. on it to sound intelligent, because guess what? Sometimes that will just, you know, give you that opposite effect. So just being really clear. Okay. I love that advice. And I'm wondering if there's anything or resources that usually like recommend to folks when you see some of that, that like perfectionism kind of overcompensation of, um, because I, I mean, I see that a lot in our space too. And a lot of anxiety and stress that comes from, I should be able to speak to this. Like I should be able to understand this entire ecosystem around how my nonprofit shows up or how my business shows up as opposed to being like, actually, here's the piece that I really am the expert in. And then I leverage a lot of knowledge around that. How did, what are some other like tools or resources that you provide these leaders to deal with some of that? Cause it feels so well. Common. I mean, ironically, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of, of, of different uh, tools across the board, but a tool that I use, it's not necessarily a medium. It's just a thought process. It's, I think you show intelligence by asking great questions, right? And so I think a lot of people are fearful to ask questions because it shows that they don't know. I think when somebody asks a great question, it tells me they're thinking two steps ahead or they're thinking about this in a really strategic way. The most intelligent people ask great questions. And so then you get to show that you are a strategic thinker, but at the same time, you're learning something new. And then if I am comfortable in a space, I always articulate what I know in a thoughtful um, uh, way where it doesn't look like if you don't know the space that it's condescending. So it's like when you speak and you're knowledgeable, do it in a way where you're educating and not lecturing or or sound like you're condescending. So I think it's it's a balance between curiosity and knowledge always. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Hi, it's Mallory. I'm so excited to be partnering with my friends at Instill to bring you these episodes all about how we truly enable fundraisers, which include everything from building effective habits to real relationships in order to raise more for your organization. There is so much wisdom in this series, but we know we can't cover everything here. That's why I'm launching a mini course on habit and behavior design for fundraisers specifically. And here's the best part. Instill is sponsoring this course for a year, which means it's 100% free to you. The mini course is launching live on January 25th, 
to sign up and come live or get the recording, go to malloryerickson.com backslash habits to sign up. What are some of the biggest unexpected pitfalls that you think entrepreneurs fall into that my guess is they overlap with a lot of folks starting nonprofits as well, like things they didn't anticipate that that they find in their first, let's say, year of trying to get things off the ground? Well, I I think it's when you're a new entrepreneur, you have to be okay with the ebbs and flows. Some days it's going to be like, I'm so glad I did this. And the next day, you're like, why did I do this? You have to be okay with the ebbs and flows. I think the second piece, which a lot of people actually don't talk about, is when you're an entrepreneur, you are a salesperson, whether you are selling yourself or your idea all the time. It may not be literally something somebody pays for, but it's the idea. Like, I'm Mallory. I've got this podcast and people will ask you, Mallory, tell me about you. You're selling yourself. You're selling the idea. So be okay with talking about who you are and what you do, but it doesn't need to be in a way that's self-grandizing. It needs to be in a way where it's like, let me tell you a little bit about what I do. Is there a way we can collaborate together? So I think there's a thought way to do it, but you know, you are a salesperson. So if you're uncomfortable with it, maybe an entrepreneur might not be your best bet. You have to sell your Mm -hmm. idea. Okay. I I love that we're talking about this for a few different reasons. One thing I was just talking to a fundraiser about this today and fundraisers often get asked like, you know, how much fundraising do you do or executive directors? Like how much, how much fundraising do you do? And it's like, would you ever ask a business owner? Like how much, like, when do you do sales (laughs) or like how much of the year do you do sales? It's like, no, like all the time. Like that's that's what I do. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Like if you're a fundraiser, that's what you do. But maybe the the proper question is like, tell me the facets of fundraising. What are the different areas of fundraising? What are the operations? That might be maybe what they're really probably asking about, but I don't know. It's, it's funny. When I started my first PR agency, I had a couple of clients come from my previous one. And I realized if I wanted to grow, I had to sell myself. But, you know, I I love this quote from Dan Pink, and it's really, you know, nobody wants to be sold to, but everybody wants to buy. And I think that's really important. So it's about how you sell yourself. And and it's that beautiful intersection between, I'm going to tell you about what I do, and I hope it fits into what you need. That's a better way to think about sales. Yes, yes. I love that. And then how, okay, so there's this other intersection, I think, between fundraising and startup entrepreneur founders. That's really interesting. And you sort of said this in number one, like the ebbs and flows, right? How do, how do you suggest folks hold and manage the anxiety that they feel or the stress they feel when they're not seeing a return on their time or energy investment when they feel like they quote unquote should, or maybe when they're watching people around them see success faster than them? You know, I think that's a really good question of for life in general, right? <laughs> I think it's not just business. It's, it's really about, look, you know, Everybody tells you, and it's true, you need a solid business plan, even with the Boundless Futures Foundation as part of the grant process um, for the individual grant, we're going to ask you to submit a business plan so we under, so we can look to see how you're thinking about things. But my advice in scenarios where you're unsure, am I on the right path? Am I hitting my numbers? Is to be able to, to have a solid plan, but to be able to outreach to others and say, here's where I'm stuck. Here's, and, and I think... Sometimes when you're stuck, it's probably because you're too close to it. 
you're not seeing something unique and you're not seeing the nuances. So don't be afraid to share your business plan with somebody that you trust and somebody that has great insights to what you're looking for. And I guarantee you, if you talk to several people, one of them is going to unlock an idea that you can build upon. When I'm stuck, I'm just, it's always because I'm too close to it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's true. It's such a like life challenge around. And I know, you know, with fundraising, like so many organizations, they do see a really different amount of fundraising that happens at the end of the year, for example, versus, you know, throughout the entire year. And so I just feel like August, September fundraisers, executives, they are stressed, right? They are like, how am I going to do it? And then, you know, most of the time, like they do do it with flying colors, but it's like, yeah. Lots of foundations, like 60% of their revenue comes between the months of October and December. I've been on nonprofit boards. And so you kind of got to, so what you have to do is know that that's coming, but then put your creativity around those slower months, like July, like focus your, it's like, you know, owning a restaurant is the same thing. I, I live in Northern Michigan. So in the summer, it's gangbusters. People just love Northern Michigan. And then January, February, March is this huge lull. So you plan for the downtimes. This is where our restaurant gets super creative, right? We do these beautiful wine dinners. We celebrate other businesses. We do things to draw attention and some sales. But I think a lot of business, whether it's you know, a business or a nonprofit, it's pretty cyclical. And you know what those ebbs and flows are to talk about that again. And so you just plan it. And again, I think it's, it's understanding the rhythm of your business, reviewing your business plan, and then getting a different perspective. If you can kind of tap into each of those three areas, I think you have a pretty good solid foundation for growth. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I know, you know, being involved in the nonprofit sector and even I think your restaurant like has a charity um, giving component to it as well. I'm curious, like, how do you think about the intersection of entrepreneurship and the nonprofit sector or even like the role you feel like the sector plays in your own kind of identity and orientation? Well, I'd love that you asked that because my, my, my passion is really purpose and profit together. I mean, can you imagine if every business in the world had a uh, purpose element to it? You know, we could change so many things in such an incredibly shorter amount of time, right? Because how the business operates now in general is there's an organization that's a business that, you know, creates revenue and profit. And there's organizations that solve problems, right? And so. I think it's, they both have incredible value in the world, but I, if you can blend those together, I think it'd be incredible. So that's why I started the restaurant. I didn't start the restaurant because I knew restaurants are super profitable, which they aren't. I started it because I, I, you know, it's my background. I started the Good Bowl as a way to thank the U.S. for taking me in as Vietnamese immigrants. So that was first a thank you to the U.S. And so that's why we donate a dollar for bowl to charity. But it's both a business that makes money and gives back or contributes to society. So uh, I love those two together. And I, I actually think that businesses and nonprofits don't work closer enough. They don't work closely enough. They operate very differently and sometimes they're even at odds, which I find not very productive. Yeah. I mean, I think the way you talk about business and partnership is very similar to how I talk about fundraising and partnership, right? Which is, 
you know, in the same way, even what you were saying with sales and the damn pink quote that you gave, right? That for me, it's not about, you know, finding finding someone you can convince to do something they don't want to do. It's finding people who are ultimately want to want to create the same world as you, the same communities you have the same impact as you. And then you're combining your different assets and skills to help achieve those shared goals. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, all around just being crystal clear, what is the impact you want to make in the world? And I don't care if you're a CEO of a profit company, you're head of a nonprofit, or you're trying to merge both worlds, just be crystal clear on what you're trying to achieve. And guess what, you can't achieve everything. But I do think like, what do, what's the first thing you think about that excites you in the morning, you know, on a daily basis. And that's, that's really your passion. Mm, I love that. Okay, where can folks go to learn more about you and the foundation and get in touch if they're interested or feel like they might be a good fit? Um, we uh, It's boundlessfutures.org. And uh, we have all the social media channels that are super fun. We're on LinkedIn, we are on Instagram, and we are on Facebook. Amazing. Any other question that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or anything you want to leave listeners with today? Well, I, first, I want to say thank you for all the work that you're doing. I'm excited to be able to um, learn as we grow. Um, I'm excited to be able to continually have the conversations about purpose and profit. I think it's really important for them to live together versus separately. And I hope that people will find value in that. And I'm excited to continue these conversations. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the way you're supporting the ecosystem around purpose and um, and really grateful for all the wisdom that you shared with everybody today. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for your time, Mallory. And, uh, and thank you for all the work you're doing in this space. I hope today's episode inspired or challenged you to think differently. For additional takeaways, tips, show notes, and more about our amazing guests and sponsors, head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast. And if you didn't know, hosting this podcast isn't the only thing I do. Every day I coach, guide, and help fundraisers and leaders just like you inside of my program, The Power Partners Formula Collective. Inside the program, I share my methods, tools, and experiences that have helped me fundraise millions of dollars and feel good about myself in the process. To learn more about how I can help you, visit MalloryErickson.com backslash power partners. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to encourage you to share it with a friend you know would benefit or leave a review. I'm so grateful for all of you and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.